Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program on SEN 1170 AM here in Sydney, wherever you're tuning in via the SEN app. Thanks for your company on this Friday morning. We made it to the end of the week, folks, but it's going to be hot again around Sydney. 31 in the city, 33 in the west. Uh, Looking good across the weekend, warm and sunny across tomorrow and Sunday. So... 27 degrees, they're saying, across the day. I've got to tell you, we need to hook straight into it because there is so much on our plate this morning. I don't know if we're going to get through it. We'll get through our Char Grill Charlies. I mean, that's a given because today we'll be doing our Char Grill Charlies winner, winner, chicken dinner of the week. And I want to know from you, who's had the biggest win this week? So thanks to Char Grill Charlies, we can discuss that this morning. Who's had the biggest win? Last night, the Brisbane Heat had one of the biggest wins of their franchise history. They've gone all the way before in BBL, but a lot of people weren't expecting them to do that last night. We'll dig into that a bit deeper as they go past the Sydney Sixers. Did they have the biggest win of the week? Did Andrew Abdo have one of the biggest wins of the week? Let's go back to the start of the week where the publicity campaign from NRL, VRLPA side... And Andrew Abdo got it right out there, especially through the News Limited papers, some pretty strong messaging. I reckon on the front foot in the publicity war, that wasn't a bad win. Um, More on that in just a sec, by the way. Novak, Novak's hamstring, did it have a good win? I mean, a three-centimetre tear, but still managed to win an Australian Open for the bloke. It carried him to the 10th title. And we broke that down yesterday. I reckon at the end of all of that, our forensic Thursday, as it turned out to be, and it was backed up by uh, a chat with Peter Brunker, one of the leading sports medicos in the country, former doctor of uh, the Australian cricket team, who said the same information that I gave you from some of the contacts that I used yesterday, basically from a medical perspective, it's plausible that you can do what he did with a tear in the hamstring. It's plausible because he's Novak and because of the level that he and others operate on. So who do you reckon had the biggest win of the week? Who was the winner-winner chicken dinner? It's thanks to Char Grill Charlie's, home of Australia's best Char Grill chicken and chips. Now, before we hook into the details and issues of the day, we need to put a disclaimer on because this could go anywhere today. And I'll tell you why. Technically, I'm saying. Technically, we're pretty streamlined here, right? But 2AM Tommy, as you know, is the man behind the scenes here. When you ring up the station and you want to get on the program, you've got to get through him first. When he throws his two cents on the table, he's ready to deliver strong editorial opinion. Well, folks, he's now in charge of the buttons. He's now in charge of not just being the gatekeeper of those that want to have a say in this program. (laughs) He's not only the man in charge of being uh, captain of the Roosters bias team, he's now in charge of us getting to air. Are you okay, Tommy? Are you ready to rumble? Do all the buttons work? Are we going to have a hitch-free three hours? Oh, dear. See, I said to him before the show, make make sure you know how to turn on the the microphone. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. 
Morning, oh, Matty. Morning, man. Alex. Morning, listeners. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You said your piece, and you know what? It, it's what you didn't say that yeah. was even funnier. I said, mate, three minutes ago. When I know. The news was on, well, I'm nervous, said, Matty. Just make sure you've got the microphone, but that's all you need to do. Well, I panelled last week with the professor and Barney on the run yeah. home, and then this yeah. is my first time panelling with you. So I think I'm just a bit nervous, a bit starstruck, well, that's all. That's all right. That's <laughs> starstruck at the fact that you're replacing Alex. In yes, the of course. System. So does that mean that Alex is now going to be the gatekeeper of people who are phoning through this morning? So if you want to get on with Maddie this morning, you have to go through the Russian. You have to go through Alex. The maestro. Yeah, the maestro. Right. Okay, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the uh, open line number, and that's assuming that everything's going to go okay. So we've got our glitch out of the way. Yes. I think that's the best thing, right? You, you faltered on ball one, you didn't get clean bowled, and you're still at the crease. Well, Matty, it's like backyard cricket. You can't get out first ball. <sighs> Just very keep playing. Good. Keep playing. Very, very good. Nice work. Right, let's dig in. NRL news. So the countdown continues. We need a little clock that ticks away, Tommy. 27 days until the start of the premiership proper, and up we go again. The Raiders pair of Josh Papalihi and Joe Tarpany have now had their say in the CBA negotiations and they've said nothing's off the table. They've told Fox Sports this, nothing is off the table. But here's what Josh Papalihi said. He said, you can't sit in a company that's not willing to look after you. You want to do your best, put your best foot forward, and we just want to be treated fairly at the end of the day. We sacrifice our bodies and we know that not everyone's going to agree. So he, he states his claim very well there, but you can't sit in a company that's not willing to look after you. Wow, that's pretty strong stuff. They were then asked about whether or not a strike was a possibility, and we've been over this. And um, Tarpany, who's an RLPA delegate, said, we don't want to get to that stage, but everything is on the table at the moment. They can't say the S word, the players. They just won't say it. And we've said time and time again here, and I think you agree with me, and let me know if you don't, that it's, you can't have it half, half-assed in this one, right? You, you just can't play the softball treatment here because the NRL are playing hardball. So if you say we don't want to get to that stage but everything's on the table, is that going to shock or scare anyone? We don't want to strike. Nobody does. But is it going to shock or scare anyone? No, it's same old, same old. I think the strongest stuff that came out of what the Raiders couple was saying was what Josh Papalee said. I can't sit here and be willing to play or work for a company that's not willing to look after me. Wow, that's heavy stuff. And if you really want to play the hardball, then you back it up with, you know what? I'm not going to work for that company. And that company doesn't go if I don't go to work. So I'm going to sit out because I stand by my principles and I'm strong on this. And I'm going to make sure that I'm strong until the day we get our deal. Does that sound stronger to you than a little bit of softball? We can't, oh, it's me, maybe, don't want to upset. Oof, uh. You're either in or you're out on this from a publicity perspective. And like I said, winner, winner, chicken dinner at the moment. And it's not going to determine the deal. But the NRL, I, I would say, is a couple of steps ahead on that one. Well done to them for having their say. And well done for Josh Papalii to come out and say that. And it's a tricky one for somebody like Joseph Tarpany to try and dig in hardcore. But the leadership's got to come from the top. And the messaging's got to come from the top here. Because you know what? 27 days until the start of the season. Not long before the start of the preseason. As the All-Stars go ahead. Scotty Sattler told us yesterday on this network, doesn't think so. That could be under threat. So threats are only as good 
is how much you back them up and how strong you make the statement to deliver them. Meanwhile, the poor old Dragons can't take a trick. Jack Bird's going to undergo surgery, so it's a knee injury. Suffered at training this week. And when you take a look at their pre-season timeline, it's been a horror. Here's what's happened in the last 43 days of the Dragons' history, right? The last 43 days. Talatau Amone has been charged, as we know, and stood down under the NRL's no-fault policy. So the charge came on December 22nd, stood down on January 18. Same day, January 18, Jaden Sullivan, grade two hamstring injury, out for six weeks of training. A week later, January 25, Cody Ramsey, unfortunately, ruled out for the entire season. And then today, or yesterday, Jack Bird suffers that injury. So in the space of 43 days, it's all gone pear-shaped for no other reasons than off-field incidents and injuries. They've got the bye in round one, and won't they be looking forward to that? And then they play their first match of the year, Sunday, March 12, against the Gold Coast Titans. Meanwhile, Liam Martin has suffered an injury as well, and that could rule him out of the World Club Challenge. It's an AC joint injury, and it came because of a wrestling session or during a wrestling, wrestling session earlier this week. And Ivan Cleary wants to take a cautious approach heading into the NRL's pre-season challenge. Why? Because it's a fair bet that Ivan Cleary's team will be there at the back end of the season. So softly, softly to start the season, especially for pre-season and World Club challenges, and then rip in later on and make sure you've got the full squad. In cricket, as I mentioned, the Brisbane Heat, well, it's one of the biggest wins of their franchise history. They win the challenger at the SCG. They defeat the Sydney Sixers by four wickets with 10 balls left, and they go through to the final against the Perth Scorchers, on Saturday night. So the Heat going for their second title in BBL history. They won it in 2012-13. Perth going for their fifth. And this is their eighth trip to the decider. It's just the Brisbane Heat's second. Michael Nisa was unbelievable last night. He shut them down at the back end with 48 not out. But nine for 116 is the Sydney Sixers' lowest score this season. And you could play the big what-if game. Daniel Hughes comes in and top scores, 23 off 24. The guy's all class. But nine for 116 on a pretty dodgy wicket out there at the SCG is the lowest score at the season in their biggest match of the season. Now take Steve Smith's numbers and put them into that equation. And this is what if. This is nothing against those that were trying last night. But Steve Smith scored 346 runs in five matches this year for the Sixers. You always look at the strike rate in BBL, and his was off the charts, 174. But look at the average. In those five matches, he averaged 86.5 runs. So if he comes into that team or is at that team, and as we know at the SCG, that average doubles. But if he comes into that team last night and does what he normally or has been doing, there's another 86 runs. If you take out Daniel Hughes' 23, there's another 60 runs, call it. They get to... Nine for 180, thereabouts. Well, they get to 180. This is what if. Their highest score this season, 180. Their lowest score this season, last night, 116. It's an amazing sliding doors moment that sport statistics will throw back at you any time in the biggest what-if game you can kind of play. So Perth Scorchers v Brisbane Heat will be the final on Saturday.
And, of course, it brings down the curtain on Dan Christian's incredible career. And he reflected on that last night at the back end of the game. So let's have a listen to Dan Christian talking to Seven. I guess it means I can... I guess it means the, the main thing is like being able to catch up with people and say that I haven't got cricket on. <laughs> that's been the best thing. That's, that's the thing I'm most looking forward to, I guess. Um, going to be able to catch up with family and friends and be able to go to weddings and birthdays and, and all that kind of thing that I've missed out on for the last 20-odd years or so. Um, get my Saturdays back now as well. <laughs> it's what an incredible career and such a well-respected um, player and person as well. Congratulations to you, Dan. You've been... The old ornament to the game, I think, saying there is reflected beautifully in what Dan Christian's been doing. And, and I watched in particular at the back end of that match last night as much as we could from the coverage to see how the players were reacting to Dan Christian. I mean, they were disappointed. Their season's done. I'm talking about the Sixers, obviously. But they went over to Dan Christian straight away. I saw the umpires do that, give him a good shake and have a good eye-to-eye, uh, man-to-man talk to him. So well done to him. Now, that leads us to the state versus state cricket debate this morning. Have you picked up on this? South Australia want the Sydney test. That's the simple top-line headline from it. They want to take the Sydney test, and we can have the traditional pink ball Adelaide Oval test. So let's just do the old switcheroo. Here's the reasons why. South Australian government, South Australian cricket have gone to Cricket Australia, and they've said... We're going to get another West Indies test next time around, according to the schedule for next summer. And not only that, it's penciled in on January 26, Australia Day, and that's going to cause a fair amount of problems. So there's that political sphere in it. They want a test against Pakistan. Now, Pakistan are set to play Australia in test matches in Perth, which will be um, probably the one that you could argue. Melbourne, no question, and Sydney before Brizzy and then Adelaide hosts the West Indies. So the South Australian government not so much want a Sydney test. They want a test against Pakistan, not the West Indies. But it comes at the expense of Sydney, if that's what they were going to do. Now, they always get good crowds, and against the Windies in early December, a total of 86,500 went through the gates at the Adelaide Oval. The Perth test the week before drew half that. So the numbers don't lie for the pink ball test in particular at the beautiful Adelaide Oval. And as we know, the SCG test was a nightmare when it came to weather. Four straight sessions across days three and four were a washout. 49 overs were lost to rain and bad light on the opening two days. So it's that time of the year when everything goes pear-shaped at the SCG weather-wise. 26 days have been completely washed out across all tests that have been held at the SCG, which is more than all of the other Australian venues combined. So they're the reasons behind it. The biggest reason is they want a Pakistan test, not a West Indies test. But what they want is our test. They want the SCG test. Now, we said to you earlier this week when we were doing, what wouldn't you miss? I said to you, would you miss the SCG test if it wasn't in January? Because so many people said, ah, it rains like crazy. What do we have it here for? Well, here's our opportunity. What if we did a, a swap So today we're going to pose that to you, the straight swap on this Friday. Now, this can be sport. This can be whatever you want. What's your best straight swap? I just quickly had a chat with Sugar and Missile before they wrapped up on Brecky, and I threw it out there. So let's do some city straight swaps, some sporting city swapsies. 
Sydney and Melbourne. What if Sydney get the Formula One Grand Prix? Missile said they could have Bathurst. <laughs> Is that what they get in return? So logistically, it's pretty hard to put a Formula One Grand Prix in Sydney. It's even harder to pick up Mount Panorama and take it to Melbourne. But are you willing to give up that for a straight swap? Would you take the Melbourne Cup and give them the Everest? I don't think so at the moment. I think that's definitely swung around. What about Sydney and Brisbane? What do we swap with Brizzy? Sydney get the Brecky Creek Hotel, and in return we give them a manly ferry. Is that a straight swap? <laughs> Fair old swap for that. You can swap players. You can swap coaches. You can swap rules. But it's got to be a straight swap. Yesterday we spoke to Lockie Miller, who's done a straight swap from Cronulla up to Newcastle. In return, Cronulla get an under-19 player. Straight swap. No drama. Too easy. All done. Nothing to see here, folks. Move on. So let's go straight swapsies this morning. What is your best straight swap? 0457 736 736. Have some fun with that this morning. It's Friday after all. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 if you'd like to pick up the phone and give us a call. And don't forget, we're looking for our winner-winner chicken dinner of the week, thanks to Char Grill Charlie's. Is it Tommy already? I mean, do we give him a win for not getting out first ball here? He's taken over the panelling duties, which means he's in control technically today. Heaven help us. Come and join the show this morning on this Friday. Let's do Swapsy Fridays. What would you do a straight swap for in the world of sport? Back after this. Yes, welcome back to the program. So straight swaps. Well, Western Sydney Eagle fired this in uh, when the missile... And I had a quick chat about what you'd swap. And he said, well, if we get F1 in Sydney, then they can have Bathurst. The Western Sydney Eagle, no way would I want F1 in Sydney over Bathurst. Wash your damn mouth out, missile. That's as strong as you can be, Western Sydney Eagle. Nice work on that one. Uh, let's go to the open line, our first caller of the day. Greg is on the line. Good morning, Greg. Morning, Matty. Um, as a 54-year member at the cricket ground, mate, I would have no problem shifting the, um, shifting the dates. I quite happily take the um, the drier period at the end of the month and shift the uh, the New Year's test to Adelaide. I wouldn't have a worry with that at all. Well, the other thing you get out of that, Greg, is the pink ball test. That's what you get from it. So that that's what they'd be giving up, which is an interesting one because that's been one of the keys to their success over the last however many summers. Um, under lights, Adelaide Oval, pink ball different game and I think people gravitate towards it. They don't want a West Indies test again but to do that they would have to essentially give up their pink ball test and that would be something that I reckon SCG, Sydney fans would would love to see. What else is happening in your world mate, especially around football? Uh, mate, I have a I have a winner winner for you uh, yep. and it's perfectly timed. Uh, it's a uh, young physiotherapy student from Western Sydney. Her name is Claire Hunt and she was the only surprise selection in Tony Gustafsson's uh, squad for the upcoming uh, Cup of Nations team. 23 she years hasn't of played age. for the Matildas yet. Sorry. 23, 23 years of age and, and a surprise selection from, from what I'm hearing from my football contacts? Yes, absolutely. She's been the, the standout in a, um, a fairly mediocre, one has to say, um, Wanderers outfit. And could be just what uh, what the defence of the Matildas needs. A little bit of youth, a bit of speed, and she's every bit the hard head that the older heads in the side, like Alana Kennedy and Claire Pockinghouse, on are. 
and she's just come out, out of the blue. Nice so, one. To me, at, at her age and in a World Cup year, to get selected in this squad, she is absolutely a winner. Excellent. Good on you, mate. An early contender this morning nomination for winner, winner, chicken dinner of the day. Thanks to Char Grill Charlie's. Greg, I appreciate that. And Greg's a 54-year member at the SCG. Claire Hunt is the 54th different player to be called up during Tony Gustafsson's tenure there. So the 23-year-old um, has been named in that uh, Matilda's lineup. 25-player squad, as Greg pointed out, playing in the upcoming Cup of Nations and bouncing back from injury. So there's your first contender for winner-winner chicken uh, dinner of the week. Who do you reckon has been the biggest winner? Straight swaps, your thoughts are coming through and also plenty around the BBL. And I did point this out. Um, it's a big what-if, right? We're not saying that if Steve Smith plays last night, they win because you've got to remember that the Brisbane Heat had massive big-name players out as well. Manus, um, Usman Kawaja, to name a few, Matty Renshaw as well. Matty, what if the Heat had their three batters that missed the game? And also, what if Smith got out first ball? Surely playing at that level, you can't rely on one player. Um, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, absolutely. And what if is the key there. But it's amazing, isn't it, what Steve Smith gave to the Sydney Sixers, just put it in their box because they had their lowest score of the season last night. What he delivered over the last five matches that he played could well have been if he just did it on pure numbers term and you played it out as though, okay, he's going to stick towards somewhere near his average. They go from being their lowest total of the season towards what was their biggest total, which was 180. And they might still have lost the game. You don't know. But, gee, it's a big what-if, isn't it? Time for the news, then we'll come back. Plenty of your straight swaps as well. Thank you, Vanessa, on the text line. McHugh, he's uh, got himself fired up this morning. And take an aim at you, Tommy. He says, Matty, I think you've had the biggest win. You got Tommy back on board. <laughs> LOL. Um, yes, I'm looking forward to the back and forth with you and Tommy McHugh as the footy season in particular gets underway. Not only back on board, mate, but he's now... I mean, it, we've spoken extensively about how he just constantly gets himself in the picture with segments, you know, just buys himself more airtime. That's what you can do when you're a producer. He's the gatekeeper to phone calls, all that stuff. Now he's in charge technically. I mean, if, if Tommy decides that we're not going to go to air, we don't go to air. So you've got to be very careful. When you ring up, say your yeses and pleases and thank yous, and I'll be very kind to him, and we'll stay on air. <laughs> we'll continue our chat. Uh, Rob Quine is going to join us in just a sec. Before that, Steve, I'll take your call on the Rugby League preseason. Good morning to you. You're not a fan. Well, I can't wait for the season to get back, Matty, and good morning. But I can't get excited about Rugby League barrier trials. <laughs> but, like, they, they mean nothing. Um, I, up in Darwin, when, when we were living up in Darwin, Parramatta used to go up and Cradulla used to go up every year for a barrier trial. And there was one year Ricky Stewart, when he was a Cronulla, he just left at half-time. That's how interested he was. So how can we, like, throwing 100000 at it and talk, calling it a comp yeah. isn't going to do anything. And, like, wow, what a great way to start the season, the Warriors and the Tigers. What, yeah. I don't understand uh, it. Look, it's an interesting one. And barrier trials, probably a good term to put in it. Because when you look at it from that perspective, you go, really? What am I going to get out of it? I thought Steve last year, I actually thought Steve that when they did last year, and, and Fox Sports in particular, I mean, you know that I've got a TV-trained eye, right? So I just thought that the way that Fox 
broadcast every single game of the trials, it felt like the season to me started early. It just felt like there was something attached to it. The hundred grand doesn't make any difference really to me. I don't think that's a lot of money at all up for grabs across, well, across two matches, but uh, that doesn't really, uh, that doesn't mean that they're playing for anything in particular. And it is going to be, okay, what do the coaches do here? So for me, the turnaround was the preseason sort of became something because we treated it as something. So maybe that might, with a bit of spit and polish on it, might give it the feel that it's not a barrier trial, really. It's, I mean, it really is, but in our perspective, at least we're watching something that's full-blown, whereas previous years, you kind of got your information out of a trial match. If you went there, it was just a, you know, it was an afternoon game of footy that you just go and see. So, I, I'm look, I'm okay with it, and I think it's definitely turned around. I don't think it's going to be a flop. I don't think it's something that you don't want to watch. But preseason's always the preseason, right? It doesn't matter what you do to it; it's not the premiership proper. So I swear, I swear. Last year, when well, I think they only did one round of trials, Fox. But I swear that that was more to give the commentators a run before the before the real McCoy. Um, maybe, well, they're, maybe they're getting three weeks worth. The commentators are getting three weeks worth of practice. Maybe new <laughs> pairings. Maybe trying to. That's what I thought happened last year, mate. Yeah, um, because they, there's, there's a little bit they, of that. Technically, you can do run-throughs and all that kind of stuff. But honestly, mate, they've been doing it that long and they're that good at it. Um, I, I don't know if they sort of need that. It's it's an interesting one. Um, thanks, Steve. Have a good day out there, mate. Hey, I've got some breaking news. Josh Adokar has pulled out of the All-Stars game. Um, apparently, he's trying to stay fresh for the start of the NRL season, but that has just uh, landed on our desk thanks to Adrian Prezenko reporting that Josh Adokar, the Fox, won't be part of the All-Stars game. Let's talk cricket. Rob Quiney has uh, been on the line and waiting to get into this. Good morning to you, Robbie. Yeah, good morning, Matty. How are you going, mate? Good, thank you. The Brisbane Heat, did you see that one coming? I mean, in the end, um, thanks to Michael Neeser, they were they were quite extraordinary the way that they just closed it down. And here they are in the final taking the Sydney Sixers spot, which many thought was going to be a Sixers Scorchers final. I was one of those people as well, Matty. Um, I definitely thought it was going to be a Sixers Scorchers. I, I, did, I knew it was going to be a, a bit of an ugly game. <clears throat> I didn't think it would be as ugly as it was. Unfortunately, the wicket didn't, um, it wasn't uh, conducive for high scoring. Um, I think that's what the Sixers want. They won the toss. They batted first. Um, clearly, I listened to Dan Christian last night. They felt like they were 15 runs short. Um, you know, I was expecting they needed 150, but it sounded like 130, 135 was going to be enough. Um, but hell of an effort from the Brisbane Heat to, you know, to finish fifth. And, you know, for them to win this big bash, they're going to have to win five finals, and that's an amazing effort. So um, they're there. Um, can they knock off the Scorchers? I, I, I don't, again, I don't think so, but they keep surprising us, don't they? I had a chat with Dougie Bollinger yesterday, and I threw him the question, and, and I'll throw it to you about momentum. And the way that the Heat, as you just pointed out there, have built their back-end momentum. They got the run going. They came into this with the two out of two wins. I think maybe five out of six, I think, is the right figure. But they just came yep. home with that with that sail up. Um, how much do you think momentum plays in that kind of format of the game where it can turn on on a, on a ball, really? It can change in and over, and that's what happened at the back end there. Michael Nusa turned it around in that power surge. So do you reckon the Heat it's had the momentum... Enough more than the Sixers? Uh, heading into the game, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do think they had um, more of the momentum. I, I think I, I experienced it as a player, and you always hear it 
um, when people are playing in tournaments and it doesn't matter what sport is that making sure you're peaking at the right time and the, and the right time is coming in the finals and, and this is where the heat are now. You know, the, the biggest part about last night's win was all the talk around losing um, Labuschagne, uh, Renshaw and Kalaja and being without Swepton. Um, but they still got the job done on a, you know, quite a, a foreign wicket to the Brisbane Heat. So um, they've gone out there full of confidence and, like you said, momentum uh, and got the job done chasing a, a tricky target. Um, I ch- I, yeah, I, I don't know how they're going to get over the line against Perth. Last time they played against Perth, Perth did them easy. I think they chased the Heat's total down in um, well, with just two wickets down. So, um, and, and talk about momentum. The first Scorchers are taking momentum over the last few years. <laughs> let alone the last few games. Um, they're amazing side. And I think this is, if they win, it's their fifth final. And um, I think they've, yeah, their fifth title. And they've been in seven or eight finals since the inception. This is number 13. So it's an amazing effort from the Scorchers. But really hope that the, the Heat can bring their A game and they haven't played their grand final already. Yeah, that, those numbers are off the charts. I mean, they've, they've won four of them and they've been in seven finals leading into this one, the Perth Scorchers. So no doubt about it. I mean, the fact of, of that alone, plus Optus Stadium, is going to be a massive one for the Brisbane Heat. And they've shown that they're, they're not afraid to take it up. We've been playing a bit of what if this morning, and you just mentioned three, four key names, but three key names, especially for the Heat, of Labuschagne, yep. Kawaja and Renshaw. And then the what if of Steve Smith, if he, if he performs at half the average that he performed at throughout the five games that he played... You get to that 130, 140 mark. If he performs at the average, you get towards the 180 mark. I mean, it's a it's a fair old yeah. what if. So let me throw this one at you. Just just play a bit of <laughs> what if with me. <laughs> if it was yeah. what if last night it was Smudge was in that team for the Sixers, and yep. what if Manus and Kawaja and Renshaw were in the Heat team last night? I mean, do you, would you be prepared to say that it ends up the same way or? Does it even itself out? I, I, I think even if the, they had, the Heat had their batters, and like you said, Smudge got the total up to 150, I'm back in the Sixers to defend that. Um, right. It just it looks such a hard wicket to bat on. And the last time the Sixers played there, um, I think Smith got 100, and he was the only one that looked like he knew what he was doing out there. I remember Moses Enriquez batting with him, and he was at a runner ball and, and feeding Smith the strike. But... It looked really hard, and, and Smith was the only one that really stood out on a wicket like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think it might have helped the Sixers, but um, in saying that, the, the Sixers had the personnel. had everything go their way. I think it was crucial moments that didn't go their way. I think there might have been a drop catch from Philippi off so O'Keefe. Um, another one that um, didn't quite carry to Kerr at backward point. And then Josh Brown just pumped O'Keefe's third over down the ground for, for two Sixers. And at that stage, I thought, no, no, I think the Heat are going to do this. They managed to, to get the Heat 6 for 85 when Max Bryant got out. And I thought, no, nah, it's flipped again. And I was getting texts from, from other, other guys and other cricket mates saying, no, nah, 6 is a home. And I'm like, there's, there's one more twist to come. There's got to be. It just seems like that game. And, and Michael Nisa played a hell of an innings. And the over that Hayden Kerr bowled was obviously, the, I guess, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I think it went to 15 and there was three boundaries in a row. And um, Michael Nisa, like kept his cool. Not only has he done the job with the ball all season for the Heat, but he stood up and shown that he can be calm and cool and methodical with the bat as well, which was crucial. Just a quick one before I let you go. So there's a, a news around this morning that South Australia are looking to try and do a swap, essentially, with the SCG test. It's not about 
date or venue. It's actually about opposition. They don't want another Wendy's test. They want a Pakistan test. Um, so I've outlined yep. all the reasons behind it. Do you think it's a valid call to, to say, let's, let's have a look at a switcheroo because we think that we should have, based on the numbers that they get down there and based on the weather in Sydney, but they, they're saying we should have the chance to have essentially a better opposition than the West Indies two tests in a row across the two summers that it would be. Yeah, I think they've got every right to. But in saying that, like, you know, Sydney, you guys are probably going to sit there and go, well, we, we deserve it as well with the SCG. You know, I think the one thing that might complement and then people might joke about it is is finding just a different date for the SCG test from a weather perspective. And something coming from Melbourne, that might fit, sound like contradictory, <laughs> but um, I think all the statistics show that there's been a lot of days washed out and go, maybe, maybe there is a chance for a switcheroo. But... Um, I'll, I'll leave that to those at the stacker and, and obviously New South Wales and the SCG Trust to, to sort that out. I reckon that, that there might be discussion more around the dropping wickets at the SCG as opposed to the opposition. I think that might be a bigger um, fish to fry for them at the moment. So, um, But I, I can see both, both sides of the fence. It probably sound like I've got splinters in my backside here, Matty. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's an interesting one. It's led us down the path of straight swaps for sports. So what what could you swap if you got the chance anywhere, and, and we're starting a fair old fight, I would say. I was going to say debate, but it's a pretty good fight that we're having this morning, but you don't need to be part <laughs> of that, Rob. <laughs> good on you, mate. Appreciate your time this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matty. Take care, mate. Rob Quiney there. So the final of the BBL, Perth Scorchers v the Brisbane Heat. And as Rob mentioned, I mean, the Perth Scorchers record in BBL overall, but in finals as well as is just extraordinary. And that's the kind of hurdle that now the Brisbane Heat will face. So they've won four out of their seven trips to the Big Dance Perth. So they're going for their fifth in their eighth appearance. And the Heat have won one. They won BBL two in 2012-13. So this is their second BBL final appearance. And straight swaps. Keep them coming. 0457 736 736. Yeah, and make sure you don't miss all the action from the BBL final because it's live, ball by ball, right here on SEN Cricket. So, Scorchers v Heat, Peter Vlahos and Bradley Hogg will be in the chair from 6pm Eastern, right across the network. And, um, well, if you happen to be heading heading over to Optus Stadium, you can listen delay free on SEN Stadium. So, download the app. It's fantastic. Uh, you get the full ball by ball commentary and there's no delay no delay at all. 0457 736 736. All righty, let me get to some of these text messages while we've got a bit of time. Um, morning, Matt. The BBL game last night was all about the bowlers, both Brisbane and Sydney. Dodgy wicket, yes, but now it's Perth. You generally expect what kind of wicket you'll get. Anything's possible, but for Brisbane to win, their batting has to be better. And without Usman, without Marnus and Renshaw, I can't see this Cinderella story ending in a win for Brisbane. Um, thank you for that, Marco. Matty, you can say what if, re Steve Smith, but again, don't forget, Usman, Marnie, Renshaw were missing for the heat. I think they were worse off, says the Eagle Vale Rabbit. It, it's a huge what if, and I just did it based solely on statistics just around Steve Smith because of the fact that they ended up with their lower score. But yeah, we'll never know. We'll never know. Muzz from Buff Point. Thank you, Muzz. Matty, come on, buddy. The NRL preseason comp's pathetic. They can use 27 players. The point system's ridiculous. Doesn't really reward defence. Play only two games. So what if you're a crap team and you use all your good players for longer and the good teams don't play theirs at all? And then 
in the two trial games, you could win almost as much prize money as you get for playing 27 rounds and winning a grand final, which is where I put the pathetic part. I mean, they're not going to knock back the cash. You're right about that. Um, but the cash is, is not... Is, is not an equal playing field. They just haven't got that right. They haven't got it right for the premiership. They haven't got it right for the minor premiership. Um, and the fact that they've now put a hundred grand up for this preseason comps fine, but is it going to make a massive difference to the clubs or what you're saying is it's not really going to make a difference to how they play it and who they put out there and everything else around it. So look, I, I'm not going to say it's pathetic because people love their footy. And once footy starts, you get a grip of it. You know why? Because the stories start. And we might have 27 players. We'll have that different point system. It doesn't really reward defence. And they're only playing two games. But essentially, the trial matches or the pre-season competition will still come up with the same kind of storylines. People will get injured. There'll be barnies and dramas. And that's what will engage you and I more than the analysis of the game. Are we going to get the answers to the questions that we want to pose? Who's going to win the comp? You know, who's going to make the eight? What's your team doing? How do they look? Is such and such fit? Probably not. We won't get the definitive answers, but you will get some talking points, and that's rugby league in a nutshell. So it doesn't matter where you play it, how you play it, or how much you're playing it for, we're all still going to buy. And Kev from Camden's gone the reverse swapsie. Um, Matty, I'd be happy if the Tigers swapped David Clemmer for the Knights Jackson Hastings. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Jeremy says there's 15 NRL clubs who'd love to swap their salary cap with the Roosters' sombrero. <laughs> well, there's 16 now, isn't there? So we've forgotten the poor old Dolphins. Thank you for that. Straight swaps this morning. So South Australia have got their eyes on the SCG test. What would you swap? Let us know. And who's your winner-winner chicken dinner of the week just gone thanks to Char Grill Charlie's? Let me know this morning. Easier for you, pick up the phone. Give me a call, one 1170 Don't forget to SEN's your home for Super Bowl 57. So Jared Waitley will be there, Ben Graham, Larry Fitzgerald Sr., all live from Arizona. So Monday week from 9 a.m., we're taking NFL to the Neds level this season. Thanks to Neds and Gamba responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. In the next hour, Sydney FC's Ryan Grant will join me. He's become a bit of a regular on the program. He loves it. Uh, they've got Central Coast tomorrow, but Ryan uh, came through uh, on the national stage underneath Graham Arnold, has had a lot to do with him. So we'll pick his brain about that and some news out of Sydney FC. Patrick Yazbek is set for a transfer to Norwegian side, Viking. Um, and they'll collect, Sydney FC will collect a record transfer fee off the back of that. So we'll catch up with Ryan Grant in our next hour and your texts as well. Matty, I love the trials. As you see the youngsters who are getting a run, says Andrew from Newcastle's, uh, Newcastle. Well, and let's not forget, coaches kind of love it, but kind of hate the trials. They get a few answers, but then there's that horrible possibility of injuries. Back after this. Welcome to the program on this Friday morning and a big welcome to our listeners joining us on SENQ 693am in Brisbane and 1620am on the Gold Coast. A partly cloudy day around Brizzy today, 35 degrees. Um, staying that way across the weekend, but possible showers heading your way tomorrow and then cloudy on Sunday. For our Sydney listeners, a nice weekend ahead. A warm one today and then a sunny and warm tomorrow 
with tops around sort of 27 and Sunday as well. So no rain bothering us. A couple of things on our menu this morning, including our Char Grill Charlie's Winner Winner Chicken Dinner of the Week. Who had the biggest win this week? For our Brizzy audience, well, the Heat are right up there because they are into the BBL final. Have you got a contender for the Winner Winner Chicken Dinner of the Week? In NRL, the news this morning that has broken courtesy of Adrian Presenko just in the last half hour or so, is that Josh Adokar will not be taking part in the All-Stars match. He's pulled out of it. Captain the Indigenous team last year has withdrawn in a bid to be fresh for the season. So he comes off a campaign that includes, well, 23 NRL games, five matches for the Kangaroos, including, of course, the Rugby League World Cup final win over Samoa. And as Adrian points out, it's been an eventful off-season for the Fox because uh, he was not only named a member of the Bulldogs' leadership group, proposed to his partner in Italy, but it's a blow. It is a big blow. And a lot of people, I reckon, are probably reading a bit into it as well. And a big blow, too, for first-year Indigenous coach Ronnie Griffiths. Um, They'll take on a strong Maori side in the first All-Stars clash in New Zealand. So that'll be in Saturday, Saturday, next Saturday at Rotorua, and um, the preseason challenge, as we know, has a $100,000 prize up for the winner. We've been discussing that this morning as well. Now, maybe you can just tell me, are you up for this preseason challenge or not? So people don't really like the fact that you don't get a lot out of trial matches. Um, Steve, one of our callers, last hour called it the barrier trial. What do you think about that? Brent says um, there could be four or five teams that both win two games and not win the 100K. Have you seen all the ways in order that they'll do a countback? Then in that same comp, there are two teams, the Panthers and St. Helens, that will play their second game with only uh, only 17 players, the World Club Challenge. Minor premiership and grand final prize money needs to go up, up, up. Well, it's certainly not relative to what they're doing. If you win the minor premiership and you earn 100 grand or you win two matches in the preseason and you earn 100 grand, well, what's the benefit out of that? I mean, the benefit is 100 grand in the back pocket of the club, sure. But is that what you're going to take risks for to try and make? And then is that on par? Is that there in parity land when you come to the back end of the season proper? And this morning we're doing a straight swap. So the news has emerged that the South Australian Cricket Association and the South Australian government have knocked on the door of Cricket Australia and said, we would like to have the SCG test next time around, please. Because it appears as though Australia will play Pakistan there and then the Adelaide test will become Australia v the West Indies. So they're not saying that they want to do it because of dates, because of rain, because of anything else. They're doing it because of the level of opposition And obviously they think that they prefer to have Pakistan as an opposition instead of the West Indies again. But it would lead to a straight swap, or it could lead to a straight swap. So we've been discussing this this morning, and for our Brizzy listeners, I want to know from you, what would you be prepared to swap? You could do it in cities. If you're prepared to give up something that's key to you in your backyard, what would you swap it for? Sydney swapped, well, James Magnuson's call was, let's give them Bathurst, which is west of Sydney, but let's give them the Bathurst 1000 and we'll have the Formula One Grand Prix. A little bit difficult to try and take Mount Panorama uh, down the Hume Highway, but you see where we're thinking.
I mean, does the Melbourne Cup come on up and you give them the Everest? How do you do a straight swap? Well, how do you do it? It's pretty easy. You just swap a roo. But what would you do for a straight swap? A couple of those texts have already here. 0457 736 736 is the number. Uh, just before that, Matty, what do you think about Addo Carr pulling out of the Indigenous game just now? Well, is what it is. Uh, no name on that text, but it, it is what it is. If he's doing it to stay fresh for the season, then I don't think you can really hammer him for that one. If there's more to it, not sure, but it is what it is. He's just not going to be there for that one. It's a big blow. There's no question about that. That's what I think about it. It's a blow because he's a draw card. And sure, it would mean a lot to him. So it wouldn't be something that he's taken lightly. But with a massive season ahead off the back of a massive season and off season that he's just had and everything else going on, perhaps he just felt that that was going to be one game too many and the preparation that goes with it and everything else that goes with it. So we kind of look at the 80 minutes and go, eh, you know, you could you could squeeze in another one, mate, couldn't you? But then you got everything else that goes with it. So what do I think is what it is. He's going to be missed? Sure. It takes away from the spectacle? Yes. But it's a personal decision and we've got to respect that. 0457-736-736. Now, McHugh says, I'd swap the Broncos Friday night, 8 p.m. free-to-air and seven-day turnarounds and maybe give some other teams a chance to get more sponsors, not the Broncos year in, year out. You've been on that campaign solidly. Thank you, McHugh. G'day, Matt. I would swap the Sydney test with Adelaide for the cycling tour down under. Send them through our alleys and back streets, <laughs> says the Red Man. So they could have the Sydney test, you're saying? But in return, um, well, we're not going to take anything else, but we'll just give them the cycling, let the cycling come on out and off they go. Matty, send the Australian Ironman over to Hawaii for the uh, big wave season, like when it used to be contested in proper waves back in the day. And they can have back the most overrated beach in history, Bondi, says Tony. Okay. So that's what you want to you want to do, a switcheroo for Hawaii and Bondi. Going down a different different pattern there. League, I'd get rid of conversions. Why is a try in the corner worth less? Just make a try worth six. Well, that's part of it. But what would you swap? If it's a swaparoo, you're going to get rid of conversions. Are you going to swap anything in? Perhaps you could take out from another sport. The penalty shootout. No, you don't like conversions, so that's not going to work. 0457-736-736. How about we take the Australian Grand Prix, normally run through the streets of Melbourne, and we give them Mardi Gras, run through the streets of Sydney. Works for me. So that's sort of a street event swap. Thank you for that, Bulldog Bob. Keep them coming. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is my open line number. Coming up later on, we'll do our top tips for the weekend and the night ahead. So racing on the Sunshine Coast this evening, uh, Chrissy has some tips for us there, also at Eagle Farm and at Randwick tomorrow as well. Let's hook into some football news right now. Sydney FC have Central Coast uh, tomorrow at Allianz Stadium in Sydney, and I'm pleased to say that Sydney's Ryan Grant is on the line. Ryan, thanks for your time. Welcome back to the program. G'day, yeah. Thanks for having me. Are you becoming a regular? Are you, are you sliding into the SEN? Uh, have you got your access pass into the building yet? Oh, I think I'm still waiting on it. I'm, I'm trying to get on the payroll also. Obviously, I'm on the show quite a lot. But, no, I love having a chat, so it's all good. 
Uh, it's great to have you again, mate. It's a big one, isn't it, tomorrow against the Mariners at a critical time, obviously their second, your eighth. How's the focus heading into this? Yeah, I think obviously their second, we're eighth. The way you've sort of said it, it seems like it's a pretty big difference, but I think it's only a matter of six points. Um, I might be a little bit wrong with that, but I think it's still very tight. So we're still very confident. Um, whoever we sort of play, we know we can um, outdo them on the day as long as we show up. And I think at the moment, it's just about consistency. So we're quietly confident we can go in. We know they're a very good team. Um, they play some good footy, but uh, yeah, we're, we're quite confident we can beat anyone on our day. We spoke last week, Ryan, about shoring up that defence and about the pressure that your coach Steve Corica was under. And a lot of that obviously vanishes every time you get a victory. So has there been any change that you've noticed or any focus that you've noticed that's different since this time last week heading into this match? Uh, I think the only big thing you sort of notice after a big win like last week was um, just the confidence. Uh, we're a pretty confident group. We know what we can do as, as players and as a team. So that's not that doesn't waver. But I think after a win, there's sort of a bit more of a, a positive vibe around the place, and um, I think that's the, the main difference. But like I said, we we're confident. We know we can um, beat any team on our day, and we've shown that a few times this year. It's just a matter of doing it week in, week out now. So uh, we want to obviously win to do well as a team, but. Uh, we love Bimby and or Steve, as as everyone knows him. But, um, yeah, we want him to stay around. So if winning means keeping him around, then obviously that's what we're going to do. But first and foremost, we want to get Sydney FC back to the top of the table where we've been for so many years. There's a fair bit of news around the world of football. And obviously, Graham Arnold signing throughout the week's, you know, top of the tree. And you've had so much to do under Arnie. He was the man that gave you your Socceroos debut and a whole stack of stuff underneath him and a whole stack of successful stuff underneath him as well. So how did you react to that news that he's going to be there for the next four years? Yeah, obviously, it's great. I think great for himself and and great for the national team, I think, uh, he had obviously a lot of doubters going uh, into the qualifiers for the, for the World Cup, but he proved everyone everyone wrong and, and shown how good of a coach he was uh, on the biggest stage. So I think that's where it's most important, and he's he's gone and done that. So um, to to do what he's done with that group, and obviously, like you said, I know him quite well. I've had a lot to do with him. Um, I know how good he is as a coach, and I think he definitely deserves to be the Socceroos coach if he, if he chose to, and obviously he has. So, um, yeah, I think it's a win-win for everybody involved. How important is it? We spoke about this when it, when it came out, the news that it's not only the Socceroos job that he's got, but it's overseeing the other levels of Australian representation. From a player's perspective, mate, when you're coming through the system, you go from being a young bloke, a young bloke representing your nation into the biggest stage of all at the Socceroos, how important is it from your perspective, say, knowing that somebody is overseeing it and there's, I guess, a common goal? Yeah, I think it's it's super important. I think um, and having an Australian coach coach the Australian team, I know it obviously sounds silly when you put it like that, but obviously he's he's a um, he's across all the all the age groups and across the board, and he obviously knows the, the A League very well, so he knows all the youngsters coming through. So I think overall. Uh, Arnie overseeing everything is obviously going to be a positive. You can see the amount of players he's, he's brought through that came through the under-20s, the under-23s um, in the last 18 months and then obviously into that World Cup squad. So um, having someone that's across it all, like you said, I think is obviously very positive and is going to make a big difference for Australian football going forward.
And just some news around Sydney FC. So Patrick Yazbek's get to uh, get a, a record transfer fee for Sydney FC because he's heading off to Viking, um, the Norwegian side, at the age of just 20. How far can he go? Yeah, I think Yazzie's got a, a big future ahead. Um, I think he's already played close to 50 games for Sydney at the age of 20. So that in itself just shows what he can do. Um, but yeah, obviously very deserved move. Uh, it'll be good to see him go. Obviously, it's a big loss for the squad, but um, yeah, at Sydney FC, we want to sort of push those youngsters into Europe if if they get their opportunity, and I think um, that's a great stepping stone for him to go to the Vikings, and then hopefully onwards and upwards from there. But uh, yeah, very excited for Yaz, and, and hopefully he can he can really push on. And from Norway to Denmark, Joel King's back after his stint over there. Is he ready to go against the Mariners? Uh, I, I doubt it. I think he only came, he got in either yesterday or, or today. Um, so I highly doubt he'll be involved, but, um, just to have him back in the squad, he's great. Obviously he's at, he was at Sydney for a number of years and, and came through the academy and, um, went overseas, which was obviously nice, but he, yeah, he wants to play a bit of football. So he's come back to, to home and, and what he knows. And I'm sure he'll be straight back into the swing of things, uh, as soon as he's back into training. So yeah, it's great to have Kingy back. It's a big one, Ryan. Thanks for your time. Best of luck against the Mariners tomorrow. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Ryan Grant there. We'll probably speak again next week. He's a talent. Um, Very, very good with his time. Football's here with $40 family passes available to the Isuzu Ute A-League men and T's and C's apply. Matty, as an Eels fan, I would happily swap our draw for a seven-day turnaround and back to the Broncos. Uh, and I'm sure that Anthony Seabold would swap Tommy T's hamstring for a healthy one. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe do you swap... T- well, Tommy's hamstring's now fixed, right? So do you swap that for Novak's hamstring? Would you swap your fresh hamstring for Novak's three-centimetre tear hamstring? Because the way that he performed in the Australian Open, I mean, he was... He was more flexible than me with a good hamstring just walking along the street. So there's one. What Would would you swap it? Would you swap it? Uh, Matty, has Sat said yesterday about the Indigenous All-Stars game not going ahead this weekend? Maybe the Fox has seen the writing on the wall as well. That's not bad. I'll tell you what we'll do. Um, we'll just have a little dig in and we'll have a... Um, Grab that audio from Scotty Sattler because that's exactly what he, he said. He was on with Joel and Fletch on the breakfast program in uh, SEN 1170 Sydney uh, yesterday, and it, it was just out of the blue. He said, I don't, I don't think it's going to go ahead. So maybe you're right. Thank you for that text. Um, like I said, I, I don't know. If there's more to it, more will come out. Simple as that. If it's a personal decision, respect it, no dramas. But perhaps there might be something into that. Um Next Olympics, I would swap the men's wrestling team with Melbourne Storm players. Gold, gold, gold. (laughs) Straight swap, says Mike. New South Wales smug superiority for Queensland success. And then says, just kidding, nothing like rubbing your noses in it. (laughs) Nice. Thank you for that one. Um, These straight swaps are, are fun. Because like we said when we were talking with Lockie Miller yesterday, the straight swap's just nice and easy. Isn't it? There's no complication in it. There's no. I mean, obviously, there's those that have to do the work behind the scenes, but for us, it's easy. Bingo. You get that. We get this. Not bad. Um, 
On the subject of swap, says Tiger Ray, Ray from the gong. As a North Sydney Bears supporter, I would love for any team, but especially Manly, to swap with them. So once again, the Mighty Bears are playing first grade in the NRL. There you go, Tiger Ray. Thank you for that. Take care, he says, from the gong. So you're happy to swap out a team to swap in a team instead of taking perhaps the 18th spot that will inevitably come up in the NRL competition. And you're picking a good fight there <laughs> with the North, the arch rivals, the old rivals, the North Sydney Bears and the Manly Seagulls. At one stage, it was an unhappy marriage. Um, but if you want to swap them out or you want to swap them in, at the moment, somebody's got to be swapped out. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Has to be Patrick Mahomes up there with the three-centimetre tear Joker had. He was able to lift the Chiefs into the Super Bowl with an ankle injury on the back of a foul with seconds to go in the conference final. Go Chiefs in two weeks' time, says the Kayama Kiwi. He will be winner, winner, lobster and champagne dinner. Well, you can have that, but it's got to go alongside our char grill Charlies, which has been absolutely woofed down when it gets into the office. Now, for our SENQ and 1620 AM listeners, uh, I need, you bring, need to bring you in on something that's happening here at the studio in Swap Out and Swap In Territory. Because 2AM Tommy has been swapped into the role that the maestro or the big Scotman, Scotsman normally has, as in he's panelling the show today. He's, he's the technical man behind what we're doing today. So if you've just joined us for the last 22 minutes now and you can still hear us, it's a miracle. He started off with an absolute beauty. He had nowhere to go. I brought him in. I said, have you got your microphone on? And he didn't. But he did hit back by saying you can't get out first ball backyard cricket. So he's playing it well. Would you like to rate Tommy's performance at the moment? Give us a... Or would you like to swap Tommy? How do we swap around Tommy's performances or roles here? Because he's a man of many talents. We need to take a break. That's what we need to do. Back after this, pick up the phone, give us a call, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Welcome back. Now, I said to you earlier off the back of one of our texters there uh, about what Scotty Sattler said uh, yesterday on the breakfast program on 1170 SEN to Joel and Fletch, and he was the one that raised this prospect of perhaps uh, the All-Stars match being in doubt. Now, this is just what Scotty, his opinion. Uh, here's what he said. Let's have a listen to this. I'd be surprised if the All-Stars games goes ahead. Oh, really? Uh, to be honest. Yeah, I'd be really surprised if that goes ahead if it continues the way it is. Um, you know, I think the... Uh, I've, you know, I was never really an RLPA. I, I, never, I remember when, in 2003 when the Rugby League Players Association were trying to get a, a um, you know, an increase in salary. And I, I never really tried to buy into it too much, to be quite honest. And I remember there was one occasion where you know, we, we were the minor premiers and they wanted to try and use our game against the Brisbane Broncos, the first final, as a way to stand up as a playing group. And they said, oh, we're going to run out 15 minutes late to disrupt the, the TV coverage of the game, the Channel 9 game on the Sunday. And, and a lot of the guys that were putting their hands up and, and you know, walking down the street with pitchforks saying we're going to support the cause, as soon as it meant running out late and, and creating a bit of a diversion through um, through the TV coverage, all of a sudden the their arms went down as if to say, no, we're not going to do that. You know, we don't want to destabilise the game. But I think the playing group's a lot stronger now than what it was you know, 20 years ago. So, um, yeah, I'd be surprised if the All-Stars games goes ahead, to be quite honest. So that was Sats 
yesterday, and I, I heard that, um, and that was the one that jumped out at me as well. And you heard Joel and Fletch there say exactly the same thing. Whoa, you you think so? And then goes into some of the reasons why. So there's no doubt that the general feeling from current day players, Scotty Sattler included, is that the playing this playing group is when it comes to this um, CBA negotiation, this playing group's united and they're using the social media media platforms to get their message across. So there's no doubt about that. What's the strategy around action? And is the strategy, does it involve involve the Indigenous, uh, the All-Stars match? So, oh, gee, we're going to have to have a good think about this. Give me your thoughts around it. 0457 736 736. Let's take the news first, get to some of your texts well, uh, as well, and then we'll break that down a bit more after this. Thanks, Vanessa. Mark from Red Bank uh, just says, mate, I'd swap my bank balance for Novak's. Um, so you're not, prepared, you're not prepared to swap the hamstring, but you're prepared to swap the bank balance. So career earnings up to this stage, $159 million US career earnings. You know what that is, Mark? Your bank balance would go from what it is today to 224 million Australian dollars if you did the old swaparoo. That's just the career earnings part. That's not the sponsorship part, investment part, everything else part. So not a bad shout out for a straight swap. And and the thing that we like about the old swapsies is that it's so easy, isn't it? So if you can find an easy way and a legal way <laughs> to get Novak's 224 Australian million transferred over to yours. I'm up for it. And in fact, if you did, if you did that, um, you'd probably be in jail. But if you did that, you're our uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner of the week. Thanks to Char Grill Charlie's. Now, uh, 2 a.m. Tommy's going to join me in just a sec. But here's what happened earlier this morning. In fact, this was at the very top of the show as Tommy took over the reins technically for the first time here on the morning show in charge of the whole thing. We come out of the news, we play the opener. This is what happens. Are you okay, Tommy? Are you ready to rumble? Do all the buttons work? Are we going to have a hitch-free three hours? Oh, dear. Yeah, see, I said to him before the show, make sure you, make sure you know how to turn on the, the microphone I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Oh, dear. That's how it started, folks. That's it, the only thing missing there is the crickets, you know the cricket sound, and the funniest thing is that I was I was watching the abject terror in your eyes, Tommy, as you knew that there was a button to push, but you didn't know which one it had to be because right there and then there's a hundred buttons in front of you. How are you tracking? How are you tracking after an hour and a half? Yeah, I think I'm going well. Oh, good. Well, the fact that we can hear you is a bonus. Yeah, exactly. That's all that matters. Going on that. That's all that everything, matters. Everything in order. Yeah. I th- well. You're the host. It's Moyes with Matt White. So how am I going out of 10? <laughs> well, after your start, yes. I mean, your start was a flat zero. But, but you did point out you can't get out. But to be fair, that's probably the best worst start you can have. Just not me putting my mic on. I didn't go. I didn't throw to a break straight away. I didn't play the wrong bit of audio. I didn't, t- didn't not put your mic on. You know what I mean? Hang on. Hang on. It's the best worst start. It's the best... <laughs> Worst Mate, start, yes. We're in radio. Yes, but there could have been a host of different... I could have not put the host mic on. I could have played a different bit of audio. I could have thrown to a break when you were 30 seconds into your opening you editorial, Maddie. You, you could have done all of that. And you know what? 
the silence was the worst part. So yes. I'm t- I'm teaming it was the worst worst start, okay. but I reckon it was the best get out because you did say can't get out off the first ball and you had me there. Yes. Um, gee, there's a fair bit going on. There's a fair bit going on now. This. The fact that Josh Adokar has pulled out, it's funny, mate. When you said to me we were in the middle of something and you sent me a message um, that said Josh Adokar's out of the Indigenous um, All-Stars match, out of the Indigenous team, and I, my first thought was, oh, okay, that's, I wonder if there's anything bigger to it. And then Adrian Prezenko's report, as we know, says that it's a personal thing and he just wanted, wants to be fresh for the start of the season. Then we put it into the perspective of what Scotty Sattler um, respected voice in the game mentioned yesterday that he doesn't think it's going ahead. So this is not conspiracy ter- uh, theory territory, but if we're starting to join some dots here, perhaps there is something further to it. Let's hope not. Yeah. Right? Let's just put that out there and hope not. But gee, it'll be a big blow. It's a big blow that the Fox isn't going to be there, but respect the decision if he just wants to be fresh. But yeah. it would be a big blow. I mean, I'm trying not to read too much into it. I think, as Adrian Prozenko pointed out in his story, so he inclu- he played 23 NRL games, so all but one game for the Bulldogs in 2022, and then went on that tour um, with the Kangaroos and what scored 12 tries, 12 or 13 tries in that World Cup. So he was just he was just fantastic, and then you know had a great finish off to his uh, off season. He engaged, well, he was engaged to his fiancee, so. Congrats to him. But, yeah, I, I don't think there's too much into it. Maddie. again, so I've come around on, on this whole whole thing with the players. So you've been on it. You, you've been on it saying they need a united stance. They need to come out. And, again, Josh Papali'i and Joe Tarpany, they're kind of dancing around the issue. Or they're dancing around their statement. They're saying e- 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 nothing's off the table. Everything's on the table. And then they, they put to Tarpany, well, you're an R- RLPA delegate. Is strike a possibility? He goes, well, look, we don't want to call it that. So... I get what they're trying to do because I think in the back of their in the back of their minds, I think they're seeing they're seeing a lot of on social media a lot of fans pushing back and saying calling the players greedy, calling the players money hungry and whatnot, and they're trying to constantly push back saying it's not about the money, it's not about the money, not about the money. If they strike, which you know what I've, I said it a couple of weeks ago, if they think that's the best decision in their intentions to get their, their point of view across to Peter Volandi, Xander Abdo and the NRL, then I would be for it. I would agree with it. Would I like it? No, because I want to see NRL matches. I want to see footy. But I would understand their intent. There'd be a host of fans, thousands of fans, who would get the pitchforks out and immediately side with Volandi's Abdo and the NRL. So they're constantly aware of the PR battle and how much they would be put off, how much the fans would be put offside if they do decide to strike. Yeah, and you're right. I, th- I think you're, you're spot on. I mean, I, I think the fact of the matter is that I, I don't. I think that the players here are in a really uh, awkward position. It's a very awkward position to be in because you don't want to be the one saying that I'm going to go on strike because I'm a footballer earning great money and. And, you know, the, the regular battler out there just doesn't, can't comprehend that. So you don't want to be that person. Yet somebody's got to be the person to say, this, this is what we're standing up for and this is what we're prepared to do. Now, I said it first up, when they decided not to do NRL media headshots for the website, I hardly thought that that was going to send them scurrying at Moore Park headquarters and say, the world's collapsing, every, the players aren't doing headshots it barely would have sent a ripple. I mean, you wouldn't even take a, a, a second sip at your coffee thinking about it. 
So in terms of making a point, it was nuisance value. Now they're trying to be stronger out there on social media and show the united front, and that's good. If they get to the point where they're taking action, I'm with you. I tell you why I'll back them, because it shows that they're standing up for something that they truly believe in, and they're prepared to put on the line what matters the most to them, which is the game and playing the game. So I've got to be honest. I think no matter what they do, Tommy, I think people already have this perception around the greediness factor and it's all about money anyway. I just think that that's there for right or wrong. So there's going to be there's going to be a point here. Now, if they can't sort it out in the boardroom and the negotiations continue, something's going to happen out there on the playing field or not happen. That's the reality, of, I reckon, of where we're at. And let's hope that this isn't the first step of that escalation of that with the All-Stars match. Let's hope the All-Stars match goes ahead. It's a really precarious position that they're in and an awkward position for the players because what you've got to do is put yourself in their position, right? Put yourself and say, do I want to be the guy that says we're going to go out on strike? No way in the world. You just don't want to be that person. Are you prepared to stand for it for your principles? I'd say nine out of ten of them would say yes. But It's an interesting one. But also put yourself in, say, a guy who's number 24 or 25 or 26 in a top 30 squad. Back of their mind, they're a young guy maybe who needs kind of the match payments or, or something like that. Back yeah. in their mind, they're saying, hey, maybe if they're at the Sharks, hey, Wade Graham, hey, if they're at the Storm, hey, Christian Welsh, I kind of need to play. So these guys, these RLPA delegates, so Tarpany, also guys like Daly Sherevans, who's the president, not only do they, do they have to think about every play in the NRL, but they've got to think about the guys that they're training with every single day who are not consistent week in, week out plays in the top 17 like they are. So it's just another ring. But, Matty, the preseason challenge starts in six days between the Warriors and the Tigers. That's an NRL-sanctioned event. If you're not showing up to NRL-sanctioned headshots or NRL-sanctioned media, I mean, it kind of seems pointless if you're then going to run out in the preseason challenge. Do you know what I mean? If you're not willing to do it, if you're willing to do it there, then you're willing to do it. You have to be willing to do it now. So that's the challenge and that's the tricky point. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying they have to, and I'm, that, they might sound off as um, uh, selfish that I'm saying that to the players, but it, it's not a consistent approach by them if they then go out and play in the preseason challenge. Yeah, yeah. And, and let's not forget in the middle of all of this too is the coaches, right? So the coaches want the best for their players. I mean, the, the coaches, that's their currency. Their currency is their players. And... They need to look after them. They need to nurture them. They need the best out of them. And they want the best for them. And you mentioned the younger guys and the lower tier guys. Quite often, the younger guys and lower tier guys will do what the upper guys will say because that's the direction that they get. So if you've got your leading players who are prepared to go, then the younger players will say, you know what, if those players that have been around, let's take the money out of it, but if those players that have been around decide to stand for something, then it's a fair bet that I should too because if I was in their position with that experience, etc., I would normally go that way. It's a really, really tough one and I really hope that what we're seeing now with um, the All-Stars match, and we're not saying at all that this is the reason why, let's hope it's not. Just on that, on the CBA, Mark says, the players are always on a hiding to nothing and that's a really good way to put it. If the players go all the way and say that we're going to strike... Um, they'll get criticised from everyone from pillar to post. But if the NRL say that it's we're not changing anything at all, um, 
there'll be hardly any or no criticism at all, says Mark. The players always have the fans at the back of their minds, whereas the NRL seems not to care. I don't think about that. I don't think that's right. The NRL does care because, again, it's the NRL's business. Swapsies on Friday. Uh, have you got any thoughts around what you'd swap? I do. Uh, so NRL, AFL. AFL get a captain's challenge like the NRL do. I'm still a bit iffy about the captain's challenge. I'm, I'm not entirely sold on it because um, I think teams, as with every new rule, every new implementation into the NRL, coaches exploit it, teams exploit it. Um, NRL get a trade window. That's the one thing I love about the AFL. they got that trade window. Um, SEN yeah. in Melbourne do a great job with their trade radio. I would love three to four weeks, Matty, say between mid-October to mid-November of just constant players, signings, going to this team, rumours, innuendo. And as Greg um, rang you up and said yesterday, if Lockie Miller in the midst of a CBA negotiating battle can go from Cronulla to Newcastle in a matter of days... Um, then the NRL players can do it in a few days or in a matter of weeks um, at the end of the season. That is something I would love to see in the NRL. So AFL get captain's challenge, NRL get a trade window. Okay, you know how we're talking about the All-Stars match? I've just thought of one. So we could take, if the All-Stars match is not going to go ahead, why don't we swap the All-Stars concept into motorsport? I've been saying it for ages. Give me an All-Star weekend around the supercars in particular or even Formula One. All-Stars weekend where it's none of the boring rules that um, motorsport adheres to and throw it all out there. So there's my swap. Let's go All-Stars from any sport into motorsport because they need it. Nice work, Tommy. Uh, Hit the one that says ad break, please, that one there. Uh, The Six Nations starts on the weekend, so Wales v Ireland will get it underway. Um, It'll be Sunday morning Australian time, very early Sunday morning. Then England v Scotland will be the match after that. So 3.45 a.m. Eastern Daylight Saving Time and then Italy v. France. So one of the big questions around that, obviously, is what happens um, with the English team now that Eddie Jones is out of the picture. Stan Rugby, Sean Maloney is going to join me in our next hour and we'll have a chat with him about that. Um, Plus the new tackle rule in England. So we brought you the news of this when it landed on our desk while we're on air. Rugby Football Union in England um, taking tackles at the lower echelon of the game from the waist down only. And basically any anywhere you hit above that was considered penalised, to be penalised. Now, it hasn't gone down too well. And in fact, I don't think it's going along too well, as in they've had to have a good rethink about it because it all sounds good in theory, but gee, practice is a very big and different thing. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line, so you can have your say on that. And as I mentioned, our top tips with Chris Nelson as well coming up along the way. Did you catch this last night in the BBL? I mean, it was an extraordinary finish the way that it played out. But Michael Nisa was sensational. He he just he did not look flustered at all, and bang 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 off he went and ends up just too shy, not out. 48, so too shy of a half century, but it was his innings at the end that got them into the final. This time he stays still. It was in the air. Now it's going to go away for another boundary. That's really nicely hit. Oh, Nice has hit down the ground for four. That's a beautiful shot. That's the shot of a class batsman. He's gone four, 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 four. Of 31. Hit hard over the top. Over the top. It's going to bounce. 
There it is. They've got it done. The Brisbane Heat have won on the back of a superb innings from Michael Nisa. Yeah, not bad at all. Superb's a good word. Jimmy Smith with the call there last night. Uh, alongside Dougie Bollinger and the final will be on SEN Cricket as well. So uh, tomorrow night it is the Perth Scorchers and the Brisbane Heat. Peter Vlahos, Bradley Hogg joining you uh, with the call from that one from Optus Stadium. They'll get a big crowd there. They should get a big crowd there. And you go back to BBL 2 where Brisbane upset Perth in their own backyard. So we, we've been doing a lot of what-ifs around stats and what if the Test players were part of that last night? Well, you have a look at the stats and the kind of form that the Perth uh, Scorchers take into this one, and they'll be favourites clearly. But the Brisbane Heat have shown that they're that resilient type of side. A, they won't go away. B, they're not worried about where they're playing. They've just knocked over the Sixers at the SCG. And C, they're going to go back to the venue where they upset the Perth Scorchers for their only BBL title to date. It's an interesting and quite fascinating way that the BBL season's going to finish. Uh, we're back after this with more and then a busy final hour of the program as well. Stick around on the morning show. It's a miracle, folks. We've almost made it to the final hour and, and Tommy's been there the whole way. <laughs> he, he didn't put himself to air, but he hasn't taken us off air. So everything's going along smoothly. I reckon the only glitch that could happen in the final 60 minutes of the program is when the latest delivery of Char Grill Charlie's turns up. So, Maestro, you might have to be ready to take the reins technically because you know where Tommy's going to go. Just follow the, the waft of Char Grill Charlie's and it's pretty easy to find the bloke who will be woofing it down. Six Nations Rugby will be talking about that. I also want to know from Sean Maloney too what he thinks the biggest questions facing Eddie Jones are. So, whilst we focus on the team that Eddie's leaving behind in England... What about the team and the job ahead of him and the massive expectations and the biggest questions around that for Eddie Jones? So looking forward to that chat coming up. And your texts and calls as well. Plus, we'll try and find your winner across the weekend. Can we find one tonight at Sunshine Coast? What about Eagle Farm or perhaps Randwick tomorrow? <laughs> now, look, the short answer to all of our texters, and I mean all of them because there are heaps is yes. Yes, Tommy did forget to turn off our microphones during the news. Um, let me rip through these. Did Tommy forget? Maddie, mate, you need a new panel operator. We could hear everything you're saying. Maddie, turn your microphone off. Matt, you're on air during the news. Can hear you, Matt. Epic fail. Mics are on, Matt. We can hear you, Matt. The mic is on. Guess what? Sugar called me as well. Sugar said, mate, I can hear you. And I went, ah, oh, okay. Wi-Fi said something about Starlink. <laughs> We had a little technical issue, and 2am Tommy with his finest work. I mean, I thought coming out and having the microphone off when I spoke to you first up was was up there, but this is landmark. This is landmark stuff. Uh, we'll get to Paul in just a sec. We might just ask Paul to hold on on the open line. Uh, Sean Maloney's on the line. I need to talk rugby with him. A big weekend ahead with the Six Nations. Every match streaming ad-free live and exclusive on Stan Sport. And I run you through who will be playing Hugh. Who? G'day, Sean. Nice to speak to you, mate. Maddie, nice to hear your voice. Welcome back into your chair. I can't believe we're about to get stuck in a rugby already. It's come around quick, mate, real quick. Well, it came around quicker for us with Eddie coming back in. And I want yes. to pick your brains about that because obviously with Six Nations... 
we now have a look at the team that he's left behind and, and whether or not Rugby Football Union over there have made the right choice and then obviously what happens here. So let's go there first. England will start their <laughs> campaign against Scotland. What's the post-Eddie era look like for them? Yeah, so new uh, new coach obviously in there uh, by the name of Steve Borthwick who had sort of worked in and around and under Eddie for a period of time. They were uh, they were a long way from where they needed to be through their... So if we go back to November last year when the Wolves were on their spring tour, which is their uh, autumn tour, so they were, they were a long way off and uh, weirdly gone with a fairly similar setup in terms of team and that kind of thing as well. So... They've got Scotland first up, and I reckon Scotland might just trouble them. They've picked a really strong team, have Scotland. So I reckon Scotland can potentially upset the English this weekend. So what's then a pass mark? I mean, if they offload their coach and they're in that World Cup cycle, what what have they got to do here to... to you know where I'm going. What have they got to do here to turn around to say that they're punters? We made the right yeah, decision. I know. I, man, I, I still can't believe that we're going to have a situation, uh, what are we, seven, eight months from now, where uh, he's going to be coaching potentially against uh, against England in that World Cup. So um, I still can't get my head around that. But you're right. What will the pass mark be? What will the questions being asked? And I think the fans will be demanding that they hit it running, basically, because the results had fallen away so significantly in the later stages of uh, Eddie's time there with England. So they'll be uh, they'll be demanding wins, but I don't know that they're going to get one this weekend. Can you see a surprise packet either this weekend in the first round of the Six Nations and overall in the tournament? Uh, I reckon, mate, I reckon Ireland will be too good for the, for the majority of, so they've quite openly flagged their intentions to try and take the coveted Grand Slam, which ain't easy to do in Six Nations. They'll go into the tournament as the number one seed. They're super settled. They've picked a really strong team for their opener this weekend against Wales, who themselves have just let go of their head coach and brought back uh, an icon in rugby in terms of uh, standing in the game as a coach, Warren Gatlin. So they start new life as well. And uh, there was another one, that another coach that went missing recently, Bern Cotter at Fiji, has just resigned this week as well. So, merry-go-round well and truly in full flight on the coaching front. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting how it plays out. So, we've got Wales v Ireland first up, uh, then England v Scotland off the back of that, then Italy v France. So, that's how it's going to play out. And like I say, you can catch every match of the Six Nations ad-free live and exclusive on Stan Sport with your good self. Um, now, Eddie, in our backyard... What are the biggest questions? And we're getting a feel of the Eddie, the Eddie show. When it was announced, Sean, I said, hold on, folks, here comes the Eddie show. You and I have seen it before, and we'll see it again. And it's going to be awesome and entertaining. But what are the biggest questions now facing Eddie Jones now that he's got a feet under the desk? Well, I mean, the thing that is, from a fan's point of view and from a, even from a commentator's point of view, that I can't wait to see what he does with, the squad he's got. Obviously, he have his own thoughts around how he wants to play and he wants to see the Wallabies uh, progress through those five games ahead of the World Cup. So, I love the idea, Matty, and this is this is the other thing that I love about the fact that he's now in there, is that Super Rugby takes on a whole new meaning for so many players who uh, you know, previously were on the outer with the Wallabies set up and coach with Dave Brenning, he's gone, so now they get a fresh chance to try and impress Eddie. So, uh, that will be for me. That'll be the first thing. Just seeing what he likes, who he likes, and 
until he starts to bring in. I know that he'd already spoken earlier this week in a terrific press conference he delivered down at his old uh, school down at Natraville there with the Ella brothers all in the house and that was a real homecoming where he even touched on, you know, bringing guys back into the fold like uh, Sullivan Valley and uh, some other blokes who are on the periphery in recent times. So that's what's got me excited and that's what I reckon will be the first thing he has to do, just start sorting the juggle, who goes where and we might see some new faces. So then from the other side, Sean, I'm interested in your take as a footy fan, right? You're, you're a professional in the industry, but you're a fan and you're a lover of the game. And I mentioned the other day off the back of that press conference that Eddie is an expert at selling what he wants you to buy. So what do you think his biggest sell point is, has to be to get the broader audience back on board for the Wallabies? Maybe that is such a good question. And I reckon it's just, it's just him. So I was lucky enough to grab him from an interview out of the City Sevens last week doing some stuff. I was calling with World Rugby. So it was mid-afternoon Sunday and got him out on the fence line to, to shoot our interview. And, mate, they just kids came running from everywhere. Like all those bays on the play tunnel side. Kids, they would have been between, I reckon, 6 and 11. All come flooding down to the fence line, all hang over the fence or want to get selfies with him. Um, then, obviously, on the other side of that, the parents come down. They want to get photos and selfies with him. He's he's like he's an iconic coach. He's an iconic uh, rugby man. So I think that's that's one of the things that I that I'm really uh, excited about is the fact that he can sell. Like you say, he can sell what he can sell you anything, and he will be so good in terms of selling the game and hyping it and. Uh, that's no knock on uh, Dave Reddy, no knock on yeah. any of the previous Wallaby coaches, certainly not, no knock on Michael Check because he was really good at, at pumping it. But Eddie's just, I mean, he just, he knows how to move, uh, to move people to want to buy in. And that, if that's the snapshot last Sunday, then I reckon we're in for a pretty fun, uh, We'll start with the first year and then go from there, but we're in for a good World Cup year. <laughs> it's it's going to be a ride. He's passionate, he's entertaining, and there's also a bit of that. There's a bit of that quirkiness. You go, holy cow, what's he going to do or say next? And and that's got to be good for those that need to buy into stuff. Good on you, mate. Thank you for your time this morning. Can't wait nice for the Six Nations Maddie. to yep. get underway. We'll speak soon. See you, buddy. Okay, Sean Maloney there. In charge of it all at Stan Rugby. So 105 Eastern Daylight Saving Time will be the start of their coverage. Wales v Ireland. That's Sunday morning. And that'll go back to back into England v Scotland. And then the final match of round one, Italy v France, is Monday morning. And that'll start at 10 to 2 in the morning for our southern listeners. 10 to 1 in the morning for our listeners in Queensland. Thank you, Paul, for holding on. Really appreciate it, mate. Obviously, had to grab Sean before he bolted off, and I appreciate the fact that you're busy as well. So thanks for calling through on the open line. Uh, what would you like to talk about? G'day, Matty. Uh, mate, Bath is 12 hours. Mate, this is a bit of a loaded question that you and I both know the answer to, but when is it on? <laughs> it's on this weekend, mate. Um, it's it's on this weekend, That's... and there's... Yeah, 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 you there's all sorts... Know, would you? Well, I, look, it's a tough one. In the general sense, you wouldn't know. For those that are in the game, they would know, obviously. And those that are in the, the support factor of it and love their motorsport heavily would know. But I, I've taken your point and I hear what you say. Does it need to be pumped out more to a broader audience? Yeah. And you know why? Because it's Bathurst. And, and there's a bloke called Valentino Rossi there this year. I mean, if you can't get off the back of him 
and grab some fairly big news space, then you might be doing something wrong. I know the people in charge of all this, Paul, as you're probably aware. I mean, I know the amount of yep. work that they do within the motorsport circles to push it. Can they try and bust through other parts of other parts of coverage um, space to try and get the message out there? Everyone would love that. Are you going to watch? Oh, absolutely, mate. I'm a massive GT3 fan. Uh, was lucky enough to attend the 2017 Spa 24 um, wow. on the back of a friend of mine driving for RJN Nissan, um, Matty Simmons. You probably know Matty Simmons or know yep. of Matty Simmons. Yep. Um, yeah, and mate, they are they are the best drive, one of some of the best drivers in the world, and and we're lucky enough to have them out here this weekend. You know, Kenny Havul's bringing his team out from Daytona last weekend. You know, to, to try and defend his title. You know, Jules Gunon. We've got we've got the best GT3 drivers in the world, and mm. as you say, unless you know what's on, mate, you're not gonna you're not gonna see it. You're not gonna watch them. So, uh, I just maybe that as you say, you know the people who are pushing the the advertising of it. Can they go a little bit harder? Yeah, maybe. But, mate. Oh, I would, I would implore people to watch this weekend. It is going to be an excellent event. Even though there's probably only, oh, what is there, 24, 24 GT3 um, yeah, yeah, I think there's about 28. The in the world driving. Yeah, I think, I think there's 28. Yeah, uh, so you've got about 28 um, race cars entered, 28 in the field for Sunday's race there. So, yeah, I mean, look, you're spot on. It's hard to sell something that people don't really get their head around. And a lot of people know Bathurst because of the 1,000. Um, we've got a six-hour up there now. That This 12-hour is a huge one, and it's good that you've given it a shout-out. One of the great things is that no matter what you take around Bathurst, people will get engaged when they get exposed to it. So at the moment, unfortunately, a lot of people aren't exposed to it from outside the game. But good on you, mate. I appreciate that. Thank you for holding on the line as well. And thanks for tuning in to us right here. So the Bathurst 12-hour, yeah, on all weekend, full coverage uh, on Fox. Now, there's Jules Gunon, who Paul just mentioned there, was the winner back in, one of the winners back in 2020 in a Bentley. Um, last year, uh, Merck won it, an AMG GT3. It was cancelled back in 2021. I mean, you're talking some pretty iconic cars and one heck of... Uh, a bank balance is probably the best way to put it when you take a look at the machinery that is up there. Uh, plenty of your texts coming through off the back of, of, of Tommy's second great effort today. He's outdone himself. The man who couldn't work out how to turn on the microphone at the start of the program couldn't work out how to turn it off while the news was on. This is, this is next level. I mean, you've got the maestro here, Tommy. You, you, you've got the maestro sitting in the studio here. He's the man in charge. He's called the maestro for various reasons, but he's the maestro. So uh, now is a very good time for us to A, laugh at ourselves, but B, give him a rating here. Alex, I mean, you, you've done it. It's not as though you've had, you know, we've all had mistakes mm. along the way, but the old... Don't turn the microphone off, rolling it into the don't turn it. Uh, don't turn it on, rolling it into a don't turn it off. Mm. Is that considered the panelists double whammy? Look, there are a lot of worse things Tom could have done today. I think he was right when he kicked off. I will actually back him up that he failed well in the opening segment. <laughs> um, this one was a tricky one because he'd actually done the right thing and then he yes. undid his good work by accidentally turning you back on after yes. he had 
indeed turned you off. I went over, checked that he had turned you off. He had, and then he managed to turn you back on during the news while I was out of the room. So that was an interesting decision. But um, Mm. other than that, I mean, everything's run pretty smoothly. Every throw you've had across, I think he's nailed, which is Mm -hmm. pretty difficult. And yeah. other than, so I'm going to give him a six. I'm going to, it's, it's been average. I was hoping for a seven, but I'll take it, it's Alex. Been average. Thank you. <laughs> Bulldog Bob says, Tommy's had a se- seniors moment. I know them very well. Uh, Jeremy just says, did Tommy forget to turn the microphones off? Uh, yeah, yes. yeah, he did. I'm starting Pedro, your man Pedro. I'm starting a GoFundMe page to get Tommy a holiday. Oh, look, I'll go on another holiday back, if mate. you want. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> you, you've only just come back. We've also uh, got a couple there about... Uh, handling it in the SEN, SEN style that we all love. Well, if we can't, if that's the worst thing that's going to happen to us today, then we're going all right. We're going okay. Uh, now, yeah, just see that on the right, that one, ad break. Yep. And the, the one on the left, about microphone, hit that. Actually, hit that one first, then hit the ad break. Yep, let's go. Let's hook into some racing and see if we can find a winner for what is uh, essentially our final Friday program. Um, Matty Johnson, Morning Glory coming back. And make sure you are tuned in next Monday morning. Matty Johnson, myself, for the two hours from 9 till 11. Um, that'll be the new format going forward. So really looking forward to that. We'll unveil details of that uh, next week. But basically 9 till 11, Matty Johns and myself in the chair after breakfast. And uh, we'll be talking all things rugby league and everything else that comes across our table. Let's hook in. We've got racing at Sunshine Coast tonight, Eagle Farm and Ramwick uh, tomorrow and around the country as well. Chris Nelson is with us, our SEN track analyst. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Matty. Looking forward to a big weekend and a big night too at the sunny coast. So let's start there. Sunshine Coast race five out of seven this evening. Yeah, good nights racing at the sunny coast. It'll be a little bit humid, but uh, I know we're not the only place in Australia that's humid at the moment. Uh, Race five, number seven, Sarsen for Jaden Loy. I think this one can win tonight. Uh, His form is very consistent. He broke his uh, maiden status two starts back, and his last run here was a good one. He drew a wide gate. Jockey had no option than to go back and settle at the tail of the field, and he was still there on the home turn, but then he ran home very, very strongly and beat all bar the winner. That was a good performance. He's drawn a lot better tonight. Very winnable race uh, and quite a good price at around uh, around $5 or so in most markets. So I think Sarsen will run really well. Race five, number seven tonight. All right. What about the next? A couple of scratchings from the, from the well, top of the list, so to speak. Uh, take out number one and take out number five, Enterprise Jewel as well. Very keen on one here. Race six, number six, Gap Year for Ben Thompson. Now, Gap Year has only had three starts to date, and they've all been first up from a spell. So tonight is the first night, or the first time, that she'll race second up. Now, her first up run was good. Uh, she, she doesn't have a lot of dash, but she finds the line steadily, and she gets to 1,600 metres tonight. She's by done deal, so we know she's going to get over a trip eventually. But the 1,600 metres against this field, I think is just tailor-made for her. I'll be very, very surprised if she doesn't win tonight. And she, too, is not a bad price. So race six... Number six gap here, clearly the best of the night for me tonight. Okay, so there's a couple for us from Sunshine Coast tonight. Let's have a look at Eagle Farm tomorrow. Uh, you've got one for us in race three at Eagle Farm. Yeah, been a bit of a nemesis for this for me this one, Maddie. Race three, number eight, Vaccine. Uh, <laughs> look, she she had the race she had the race one, 
Oh, two weeks ago at Doombin, she was in a hopeless spot. Ryan Maloney somehow got some runs along the fence and she, she took the leader late and he looked across and thought, well, I've got this covered. And then the dirty grey at $50 came down the outside and knocked us all out. Uh, Bolden Lucy, I think, was the name of the horse. So this time around, up to 1,600 metres, she too is bred to get the mile. I think Eagle Farm suits her even better. She'll be uh, closer. She'll be saved up for one crack at them, and I think she'll be winning. So stick with her. We'll give her another chance. Race three, hey. number eight, vaccine. Race three, number eight. Isn't it funny, mate, how you always remember the 50-to-one shots that beat your shot uh, <laughs> along the line? I reckon if it's like a second favourite or something, you go, I can't remember the name of that thing that beat vaccine, yep. but you always... Remember the one that pipped us at, a, at big odds. All right, uh, vaccine to strike back. What about the next, race four? That's because that particular name is in your nightmares for about four yes. nights after, uh, after the race. Yes. You can hardly forget it. Race four, number five, Al Burke. Uh, now, he came up from Sydney. He'd won one of 31, and he's had a purple patch of form up here. He's raced really well. Now, last start, he's probably, uh, well, he went a lot. He didn't go as well last start. That was his only subpar performance. Uh, I think he raced too close. He's a horse that, with his wins and good performances, he'd been able to drop out the back, find his feet, and then they'd give him uh, one big last shot at them, which often resulted in a win. This time he was nice and close. He over-raced. He didn't like it. So I'm going to put the pen through that run completely. He's up in distance. He's at Eagle Farm, which is a track that will suit him with the big long run home. And I think they'll ride him cold tomorrow, and I think he'll be winning. Race four, number five, Al Burke. Race four, number five there at Eagle Farm. And then Randwick tomorrow. So 10 races for Randwick. Another big day. Could be warm. Well, will be warm again yeah. around Sydney. So some pretty good conditions track-wise. Who do you like in race nine? Well, race nine, I think we need to stick with this import from the Ma Eustace stable, Kettle Hill, number four. Uh, he put in a, a real eye-catcher at his first Australian run. That was at Sandown on the, uh, the 10th of December, 1,400 metres. Uh, then he went to 1,600 metres and I thought was OK in Sydney. Then back to 1,500 last time, which didn't suit. Now he gets to the longer trip, which is what I think he's after. So I, I think they'll come for him, Kettle Hill. I think tomorrow will be his day to break through for his first Australian winner. I think it's all about stepping up in distance, and that's what he's doing tomorrow. Good man, Chris. Have a good weekend. You too, Matty. All the best. Chris Nelson there with our top tips. I uh, hope you pick a winner. Just a couple of texts before we get to the next news break. Morning, Matty. The CBA can be sorted with a simple medical plan. Anything to do with the brain is lifetime care and all other medical procedures are covered for five years after retirement. From Junior Smithy there. Matty, it's not always about the money. This one from Purple Haze in Brizzy. The main sticking points are over the RLPA having a seat at the table in NRL decisions. The women's CBA, including a pregnancy and paternity policy, and the NRL's post-career hardship fund for injuries, surgeries and former players. Yeah, that's exactly right, Purple Haze. One day longer, one day stronger, uh, he says, or she says. Um, you're right. They're the sticking points. That's what I've said. It's terms and conditions. And the money's in there, obviously. The salary cap that was put out there has not been agreed to because it's one component of all of this. But there are plenty of other sticking points, and if you put them in the old terms and conditions category without diluting their importance, that's essentially where they're at at the moment. And those things that you've just pointed out are all part of it as well. Having a seat, the women's CBA, the pregnancy policy, post-career hardship funds, surgeries, former players, what happens post-career, all of that, is very complex and detailed stuff to try and work out 
it, it, it's funny, isn't it? It appears as though probably the easiest thing to work out out of all of this is the money factor, is the salary cap itself. And then all of the other stuff that's sitting alongside it, which the RLPA has prioritised is just as important, has been some of the most difficult, difficult stuff to break through on. Here's the news with Vanessa. So we've almost made it. We're almost there, folks. Tommy's just, he's worked up a sweat today. Mostly, mostly on the uh, on the hands. Um, gee, he's been under the pump. We've really thrown him in the deep end. Now, let me just get to a couple of texts. And then, Tommy, I want you two cents worth on some of the big issues that we've been speaking about today. Matty, thinking forward, imagine if the games against St. Helens, or the game against St. Helens is cancelled due to strike action. The cost or cost recovery could be interesting, uh, says Panther on. Yeah. So St. Helens come out here, but there's nothing to play. Uh, let's hope it doesn't get there. Don't get the negativity, says Hopper, towards the proposed pre-season comp or trial games. No matter what the format, it's a game of footy. And I just want to watch a game of footy. Looking forward to it. Go Manly, says Hopper from Wagga. Thank you. Uh, we all see Eagles will be certainly sweating on a few things throughout that one. And sweating's going to be the issue. I mean, the heat is is probably the the unknown here. Well, not so much the unknown, but the thing that we haven't really spoken about. It's a hot day. Our listening areas across Sydney and Brisbane, out to the Goldie, down to the Goldie, are. it's a hot one. Um, so could you imagine trying to strap on the boots and get out there in this? Matty, if nothing changes, the players should say that we're not playing trials this year. I don't think that'll affect the fans much. But now with all the trials on Fox, we'll show the NRL bosses um, that they're serious. So basically you're saying if you don't stump up for the trial matches and the preseason comp because it's now an official comp and because of that coverage that I referenced, that it's serious. Let me go back to something I said earlier. Once this starts to impact, in particular, the funding channel that is the biggest, deepest and widest, which is TV broadcast, that's where you'll see some sort of activity, some sort of action, some sort of screaming and uh, slang and match going on. Because once it starts to impact that, that's when the league in particular has a big problem because they've got contracts that they need to honour. Don't honour them, don't get the money. Don't get the money, as we've seen before, game is perilously close to not happening at all. At the moment, dancing around that issue. But if that does become an issue... Look out, folks. Um, here we go. Let's hope it doesn't. All right, Tommy. Uh, the one thing that you haven't done is work out how to throw your coins on the table. Have you sussed that out? Oh, this is good. This is good. You're coming home strong. You are You are the Brisbane heat of panellists. Thank you, you Matty. You come home strong at the back here. After a slow start, you've picked up your momentum. Uh, you've knocked the maestro off his perch, and you're now into the final. Wow, I'm what here. A performance. Well, just just on the Brisbane Heat, I feel like in T20 cricket, especially in the Big Bash, you don't have to be the best team; you just got to be the best team on the day. And they've the past three games beat the Thunder, they beat the Renegades, and they beat the Sixers. They were just the best team on the day. So, I know the Scorchers have been the best team all year. They've been the best team in the Big Bash consistently for a number of years. But hey, anything can happen. Anything can happen over there on Optus Stadium tomorrow night. Do you know that was that was very well avoided? Uh, about what happened 36 minutes ago. 
which which you haven't addressed. So let's go to the elephant okay. in the room. I thought yeah. we uh, I thought we did avoid it well, but no, you want to go back to it. That's <laughs> no, no, fine. No, That's no, fine. Let's, let's, our listeners, I think, kind of enjoyed a little snapshot <laughs> behind the scenes. Um, just just finger trouble. I mean, you're just going to put it down to that. Look, finger trouble. There is a lot of buttons in front of me that are yeah. flashing at one stage and mean a yeah. lot of different things, but they also mean the same thing. So it can be yeah. a bit confusing for a guy who is really into his own second solo show doing it because I was on, on with the run home with Professor and Barney last week. So hopefully yeah. a bit of slack is given to me by yourself, Alex, and the listeners. Did, did and I can only go Barney, bigger and better next week. Did the chat that they were having while the news was on, did that did that go to air? No, that didn't go to air. Mm. Thankfully, that yeah. didn't go to air. Yeah. The Professor and Barney asked you a question that, that the audience couldn't hear? Was that... No, I'm not sure. No. I'm not sure. Not a lot of problems last week. For some reason, I think I just get all caught up um, here on the morning show. I don't know what it is. I don't. And know not what only it is. that, so you're still you're still funneling through the phone calls, aren't you? Yes, I'm, I'm, so, all the phone all calls the have been. Yeah, all the phone calls have been good. I'm getting all so, the information, Alex. It's, um, we're working as a tandem here, Alex yeah. and I. We're like Luke Keery and Sam Walker on the field, just absolutely killing it. Right. Had to throw in a little so, reference. So there. just just let me set the scene. So you've got all these buttons going on. Yes. You've got, a, you know, you've got your segment now, which you've done all your research for. Um, you're in control of, of all of the equipment, and mm-hmm. therefore my voice on this program. But Correct. If, for instance, we got a flood of phone calls right now, if a whole stack of people decided to pick up the phone and nice. dial in, it's going to complicate your land so much. I agree. So... Just say that all of our listeners who love to text just picked up and went one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, just to say good day, just just to jump on and say you don't have to have an opinion about anything. You're going to have to juggle your segment, the microphones, yes. the technical side of it, yes. getting me to wear, and also being kind and courteous to our listeners and getting them to wear. Well, Maddie, it's also the producer's job to. First off, answer the calls, then vet the calls, and then they put them up to me, and I put the calls to air. So it's also mm. on Alex, and that's what I'm doing usually back in, in the producer's room. I'm, I'm going crazy. Yeah, but it's in your hands now. So this is, this is what I'm saying. I, I'm just waiting to see how many of our listeners will put you to the test. Just phone in and say good day. You don't have to do it. Just phone in. We'll, see, we'll see. We'll see. Hey, yeah. speaking of this segment, because it is the two cents, we had Greg from San Susie earlier to kick off the show, talk about how he wouldn't care if the SCG test was moved from Sydney to Adelaide, Perth, whatever. I'm a member there as well, and I tend to agree. Uh, you threw out the, set, the stat there before. 110 tests. 110 tests have been played in total um, at the SCG. 26 days been washed out. So that's five tests. Just over five tests have been washed, completely washed out. Um, I wouldn't mind if it went to the mid-December test. And potentially, as you said before to Rob Quiney, that would mean we get the pink ball test. So as long as it kind of fits in with the schedule of school holidays, so all the kids can go too, I would, I'm not, I'm not in totally attached to the idea that Sydney has to be synonymous with the New Year's test. I'm all for change. I'm all for innovation. I'm all for sharing the love. Now, hey, would it be great if Sydney got the Boxing Day test? Absolutely. But guess what? There'd be riots in the street in Melbourne if there was even any talk about them losing the Boxing Day test. And I already put the boot into Melbourne this week, so I won't again. But I wouldn't, to put a bow on it, I wouldn't care if it was moved to about to mid-December to say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
Well, the, the interesting part is that it, it's come down to the fact that the South Australians want a want a test against Pakistan, not not the Windies. I mean, the, the fact that the, the rain delays and all that kind of stuff have been there sort of add another layer to it. And, and it almost glossed over that fact. And then it leads you to another discussion of whether or not you should have the right to say, well, no, 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 we want, we want a Pakistan test, not a West Indies test, because we get really good numbers at it. So I, I don't know if they're in that position to do so, but it's a, it's a conundrum. It's a conundrum. But and a good an, one. Another thing that I was speaking about it with, I think, Alex before the show today off air is a lot of the time historically, Sydney is um, in the cricket when the test comes around. It's a dead rubber. We saw that again this year. We saw it in the Ashes the year before. Um, now, sometimes there are some some occasions where Sydney doesn't always get the last doesn't always get the last test. Like the Ashes last year, we got the fourth test. The fifth test was meant to be in Perth, but they moved it to Hobart for COVID reasons. And then the India test, where we where India famously beat us, we had the fourth test. And obviously, India went on to win in Brisbane. So that's another reason why I wouldn't mind it maybe being the second test of the of a series instead of the third test or a fifth test because a lot of the time, Sydney is dealt with a dead rubber. Now, the fans still show up. You still get to see some centuries. You still get to see some great bowling. But it would be nice if the result was still in the balance and it meant something, meant something overall to that series. John on the text line has just texted, Matty, I've called in. I'm getting crickets on the line. Um, not happy. Uh, another one says, you're doing a good job. 2am, Tommy, why didn't you answer my call? I just want to wax lyrical about why Teddy's the best athlete in the world. Uh, oh, there must be something with our phone lines. I don't it know what's going on. They, the multi-skilling factor is difficult. I mean, while you were talking about whatever you were saying there, I was actually ringing 1300-01-1170 at the same time. Now, this is this is going to have to get back because this this could be your third strike. Okay. Your double That's whammy, no, <laughs> double whammy, was was yeah. Look, it was almost plausible that we let you get on with it, but all of everyone's calling left, right, and centre. You haven't picked up the phone. Well, Maddie, can I redeem myself here quickly? Can yes. I redeem myself here because we all love a bet, and we all love making money. I think I can speak for you, me, Alex here, and I think we can speak for our listeners. And I have By the a. Way, this is me. Yes, I. I oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Thank see, you, buddy. It's one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. I don't think it's great if the host speaks to a caller and it happens to be himself. <laughs> You've got to pick but, up the phone. But, Matty, Sunday race eight. Sunday race eight, number five. The one, the only, the great. Show some decorum. Is oh, back, back racing. Is back racing. His last race was on New Year's Eve at Randwick. We came fifth. It wasn't great. We got stuck in the middle a little bit. But Benny Allen is going to be riding it. Currently paying $7.50. Gamble responsibly, as, as always. Race eight, number five. Show some decorum. Sale this Sunday kicks off at 4:55 p.m. Back it and don't complain on Monday when you say you missed it because I'm telling you right now, listeners, it's going to win. Okay, there's your redemption story, folks. He's given you the redeemer, and it shows some decorum in Sale in Victoria. We're back after this. He was in full voice last night as the Brisbane Heat made it through at the SCG. Jimmy Smith is back for another edition of the afternoon show. As well, and he joins us. Hello, Jimmy. Hello, Matthew. Is my microphone on? Oh, mate. It's a BYR microphone today at SEN when Tommy's in charge. I mean, there's only <laughs> 11 minutes to go. Boy, you reckon I've been sweating on the clock so much this morning? Um, what could possibly hey. go? He's not panelling your show, is he? Oh, heaven help me. Uh, no. Um, the oh. great Coach K will be, actually. I'm doing this one from home out the... Yes. Uh, 
uh, at Cordor. Hey, you know how, Matty, you're a professional. Uh, they say always, Mike's alive. Uh, Mike's alive. Mike's alive always. Yes. Well, with Tommy, Mike's alive always. So always, you just got to be just got to be ready for that. Well, Mike's just alive always with Tommy until they're not. As in, right. at the very start of the show, when I said, "Hey, Tommy, guess what, Eddie? You should have seen the, you should have seen the search around." He was like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was the poor bugger. He's had a he's had a massive, massive day, uh, and you've had a massive twenty four hours." So Arvo show yesterday into the cricket last night. Did you see that one coming? No, <sighs> no, I didn't. It, it, and to be honest, you know, it was really interesting, Maddie. Uh, you know, we we love the psychology of sport in the afternoons program. And and Michael Nisa had at the airport. I saw the doorstop with him, and he said, "Oh, invariably, like a Brisbane Heat game, it's going to be really, really close, uh, and probably happen in the final over." Well, after they bowled and fielded and were captained so superbly last night, and they were only chasing one hundred and seventeen, I just thought to myself, "They're going to make this subconsciously." go down to the wire. And if it wasn't yeah. for Michael Nisa and his batting performance, 48 not out, they'd have lost that game last night. That, yeah. that Remember, they lost the unlosable against the Hobart Hurricanes a couple of weeks ago. Well, they would have done it again. Anyway, they're into the final. And I think Paramat sent a text message in last night and said, why don't they get the engravers to just put it on the trophy now? Scorchers 2023. And I, <laughs> I tend to agree with him, Matty. I tell you, when I was watching what was happening at the back end of that last night and, and watching Michael Nisa's performance was... That he was not a guy in a hurry. I mean, the, the balls were ca- were counting down, but he was not a guy who was losing any of his shape. He he just remained calm and controlled. He stood solid and he delivered. It was a, it was a masterclass really at the back end under that kind of pressure. And let's see what they what they deliver. Now we've been talking straight swaps this morning, um, off the back of Adelaide trying to get a hold of the SCG date for the test and the mm. opposition that Australia are going to play. You're going to take it back around to what sort of happened last night about the old beatdown at home, which is what the Heat did to the Sixers. The hometown beatdown. Uh, plenty of them in rugby league, quite obviously, but that, that was a real shocker last night. I think the Sixers saved their worst performance for the, for the final game of the year, Matty, which was really disappointing from that point of view. Just on that with South Australia... I had a mate of mine I went to uni with, uh, Dave Carmody, a uh, very, very intelligent... In fact, Dr. David Carmody, specialising in knee, foot and ankle surgery right now. Thank you very much. And he always used to talk about South Australia and South Australians. And he used to say, hmm, not much going on in... Sa- oh, here, we'll do a swap with you. You give us the Barossa Valley and we'll give you Lithgow. So to everyone out there at Lithgow, <laughs> big shout out to you from Dr. David Carmody. <laughs> the old swap saroo, yeah. <laughs> uh, we posed we posed a couple this morning, and we went down some some interesting avenues. So the hometown beatdown. I'm mm. gee, I'm trying to think. I mean, there's there's got to be some some classics, hasn't there? Well, without wanting to alienate a large part of our audience, although we do enjoy doing that at different stages. Um, Parramatta Reels fans, just to let you know, I'm not going to have a go at you today. In fact, I'm going to mention something positive. For you, Parramatta Eels fans, don't worry. It's historical and your window has closed. But um, we will say something positive today. And Broncos fans, I know there's plenty of Broncos fans listening up there via the, the Queensland stations. Don't worry. I've got a really good negative one coming at you too. Because so. <laughs> there's another part of that too, isn't it? Not just the hometown beatdown. But when you mentioned Parramatta there, I thought of the new op- of the opening of Parramatta Stadium. And... Ooh. And and Parramatta won that match. I'm I'm pretty sure. I think they won it. They won it convincingly. So their first one. And when you think about the Broncos, when they came into the 
NRL or the league at the time, they won their opening match because it was against Manly. They flogged them. So hometowns beat down. Imagine if you could come up with one on that big occasion, that first occasion. So that was the other one. Uh, Parramatta Eels famously beat the Brisbane Broncos in the very first game played at Queen Elizabeth Stadium, uh, which was the, the Commonwealth Games Commonwealth Stadium. Games. Yeah, and then the other one was... Uh, not, which, which Parramatta Stadium one are you talking about? 1986 or yes. 2019? Because there, there was a couple there. Yeah, the 86 one. All right, plenty for you to talk about. You better uh, do the dishes first, and then uh, make sure that you're ready to go in about six minutes' time. We've got to go. Have a good show. Thanks, Matty. That's it, folks. We are done for the day, done for the weekend. Now, Monday morning, 9 o'clock, straight after the Brecky Show, make sure you're with us. Monday morning, 9 o'clock, Matty Johns will be with me. So a special show coming your way, and it all starts Monday morning uh, as we gear up towards the footy season and cannot wait for that. So the two mats coming your way, 9 a.m. Monday morning. Hillstorm Hillary, yes, you have missed that breaking news because we brought it to you here via Adrian Presenko. Josh Adokar out of the Indigenous All-Stars. Yes, he won't be playing in the All-Stars match. Thanks for your company today. Thank you for everything this weekend. 2 a.m. Tommy, you've done a sterling job and you've given us lots of fun (laughs) to have as well. Thanks to you, Maestro. Have a great day, everybody. Jimmy Smith coming your way now.